You're listening to the Salt Churches Podcast. Here you can listen to messages, inspiration, and lessons learned about planting microchurches all across the nation. Thank you for tuning in. To find more information, you can visit us at www.saltchurches.com. This podcast is brought to you today by Salt Church's founder, Parker Green. Hey there, welcome to the podcast. I'm coming to you from Palm Springs. Right now we're on semi-vacation. We had an awesome family vacation last week. And uh, over the past week, I've been thinking, ruminating, debating with myself journaling, writing, pondering some more while I barbecue and drink gin and tonics in 105 degree weather about what I give my attention to, what we give our attention to, what I do on a daily basis and what's important and what's really not. I know every time every single one of us goes on vacation, we like to sit and think about what's important and what's not. We like to sit and think about all well, maybe I need to get rid of this or do that. But so few of us actually end up taking action into removing the things that we put our attention on. And so many times we have great, great ideas about what to remove from our lives, but we don't have the best ideas about what to add and what to put in place of the things that maybe we're taking out. So we end up doing the same old crap doing the same old things over and over again, giving our attention to stupid things, to people we don't care about, to comments on Facebook or Instagram, to the amount of likes we're getting, or even the people that say, I don't care what people think. I mean, I used to be that guy. I used to say that all the time. I don't really care what people think. I was the dude that cared the most about what people thought, and I cared so much about what people thought that I had to tell everyone that... I didn't care what people thought because I cared so much. There's a mind F for you. So enjoy that um, and replay that as many times as you like. But if you're the type of person right now that's saying, oh, I don't really care what people think about me, the fact that you have to say that probably gives you away a little bit. Maybe um, some people that aren't super perceptive around you um, or if you gather people that aren't super perceptive around you so you can hide in your little shell. Yeah. You you care what people think, and I think everyone to a degree actually does care what people think. And we, um, as a generation and as a group of people, uh, we focus a lot on what other people think, what the pulse of life is. And most people, honestly, just go with the flow. Most people just go along with things. And the reality is that, you know, this is a podcast series that I'm doing right now about discipleship. Most of you won't make disciples. Most people won't actually go and do it. Uh, Most people won't actually pull the trigger on it because they're scared, because they pretend like they don't know how, even though Jesus outlines it pretty clearly in the four Gospels by doing it um, with his disciples. And a lot of people ask, well, what is discipleship? Maybe it's this or maybe it's that. Well, why don't we just start with what Jesus said and what Jesus did and the way he did it, and then go from there and look at Paul the Apostle who spread Christianity all over Europe um, and and Asia, and uh, see what he did. So many times, I think we um, try and overcomplicate things, and it's the simple things that are really hard to do. It's like everybody knows, for the love of God, I was a personal trainer for seven years. Everybody knows, 
even really fat people. Everybody knows, eat right and exercise. Eat less and exercise. Whatever you've got to do to get in shape. Eat the correct things. Eat things that your grandmother would call food. Um, don't eat things in sealed plastic containers, and you'll probably lose 10 pounds in the first month just by doing that. By not eating processed food, food that you have to make yourself. You're going to value it far more. Everyone knows what to do. I, with discipleship, I think this podcast is not telling you about what to do, but I want to give you some help along the way because I have to reassess myself over and over and over again. Paul the Apostle says to the Corinthians, test yourselves to see that you're in the faith. And I think it's important that on a regular basis, maybe quarterly, maybe every month, maybe every week, depending on where you are in your walk with Jesus, that you reassess and relook and rethink, okay, Am I actually doing what Jesus asked me to do? Am I actually doing what he's asking me? Because there's places in all of our lives, every single one of us, where we can be better disciples and better followers of Jesus. And we can do better what he asked us to do. Today, specifically, I want to talk about paying attention. Paying attention. I don't mean just like looking at something or or being around something or I mean paying attention as in be perceptive as to what's going on around you and what's going on inside of you. And I think it's really difficult to tell what's going on around you until you actually know what's going on inside of you. So a lot of people read the Word just to read it, read the Bible just to read it. They're taking a look at it and they're applying it to their lives. But so rarely they're applying it to themselves. I think if we let the Bible, as we read it, read us then we have a distinct advantage there. I know that if so many of us would just pick up a Bible, pick up a Bible and read it in a different way. Here's what I want you to do. We've started doing this in our church. And make sure you listen to my wife's Bible series. She's walking through Romans right now, and it's amazing. When you read the Word, ask a couple of questions. What is the author trying to convey to the original audience in this passage? It can't mean something totally opposite of what the original author intended it to mean. I'm sorry, but you need historical context. You need to figure out what's going on in that passage and around that passage. And you have to do the real work to figure that out. It doesn't take long in our day and age. Just look it up online. What does this passage tell you about God? Who is God as a person? How is he acting in human history? What's, What's he like? What's he act like? Who is he? Who is God? Who is God and how does that relate to what's going on in the passage that you're actually reading? Because if we actually pay attention to what's going on in the Bible, it'll help us pay attention to what's going on in ourselves and what's going on in history around us so we can accurately live. I know that's a weird thing to say, but if we can accurately live as disciples... As loving disciples of Jesus, live properly, live in a way that he asks us to live. The only way to do that is to figure out what the Bible is saying about the world around us and is saying about us and is saying about human beings and is especially saying about God. Because what you think about God is what you think about everybody around you. You will translate it to other people because they're made in the image of God. They're made 
in the image of God. So you'll take how you think God is treating you or acting toward you and you'll project that onto the people around you. If you don't trust God, you won't trust the people around you. If you think people will abandon you, you'll turn around and reciprocate that the opposite direction and not trust God. And there are so many ways that we can make God into something that he's not or mold God into our own image and then project that onto other people. One of the things that uh, is my favorite thing to do is to project onto God is that he, he is very judgmental. It's one of my favorite things to project onto God is, um, well, if everyone was just doing the right thing. Because here's, here's a reality check for me that I've had over this last week. I mostly think people don't care and that people are lazy. And maybe that's true in some cases, but the problem with that is that when you try and do something where a lot of help is required, let's say like plant churches, especially micro churches, like there is no better way to get yourself lost as a founder than to plant micro churches because it gives people all over the place an opportunity to be better than you at what you're doing. And if I consistently believe that people are lazy and that people don't want to help, then I won't bother asking for help and I will assume people will be undisciplined and make the wrong decisions. And this is a huge, huge, huge slowdown in my leadership. If I continue to think that way, and I don't think that way about everybody all the time, but it's always the first test that I run by people. And too many people fail the test for me to make new friends, for me to love new people, for me to really care about people, for me to treat them like they're going to come through and not expect them to do the wrong thing or to be stupid or lazy or actually feel like they just don't care. Because if they're smart, then they don't care. And you know what that does to me is it turns the whole thing around and I look up at God and I go, you don't care, so I won't bother asking. Or I will assume God can't be bothered. That in some way, shape, or form, I've projected this image onto it. And you can, I mean, ask my wife or ask anybody around me when I'm in a mood, man, the thing that I do is push on people's buttons about getting things done, even on vacation, about laundry, about stupid, infinitesimal crap that doesn't even matter in the long scheme of things. Like, honestly, think about it. In 50, 60, 70, 80 years, people are not going to remember who most of us even are. Think about that. Think about the present moment that you live in right now. The most important thing that you have is the present moment that you live in right now. And here's a funny thing about that. A lot of people say, oh, I'm going to train myself to live in the present. Oh, I'm going to train myself to live in the present. That's just, that's just where you are. There's no other place to live. That's how you pay attention. That's how your brain was actually designed to operate. The thing you're not doing is being awake to the things that are actually going on around you because you're not doing what Jesus told you to do, and that's not worry about tomorrow. But he does tell us to be alert. I'm going to open us up to a passage, and this passage wrecks me every single time. Math, uh, sorry, not Matthew, Mark 13, 33. And this is Jesus talking about the end of Jerusalem, the end of days. He's talking about all kinds of crazy, crazy prophecies. And he says to his disciples, Take heed, keep on the alert, for you do not know when the appointed time is. It is like a man away on a journey, who upon leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one his task, 
also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening, at midnight, at cock crowing, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, that's you, pal. That's you listening to me right now. Jesus is saying to you, he's saying to all, be on the alert. You do not want to have the master find you asleep. Well, what does Jesus mean by that? Be awake and aware in the kingdom. Be awake and aware of what's going on in the kingdom around you. Be awake and aware of what God is doing in our society. Pay attention. The best way that you can pay attention is know what's going on inside your own heart and inside your own mind. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, you cannot perform correctly in this world. You cannot behave accurately as a disciple of Jesus without letting the Word of God examine you properly. And that means figuring out what the author first meant. That means figuring out what that passage says about God. And lastly, how do you obey it? Stop thinking so much about, oh, well, maybe this passage means this, or maybe this passage means that. So let's take a look at this one, 33 through 37. How do I obey? How do I pay attention? How do I make sure the master doesn't find me asleep? Well, what's the number one thing that we should do with discipleship? We talk about this in salt churches all the time. The number one thing that we need to do in discipleship, the number one thing that we need to pay attention to is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Our goal in all discipleship is unbroken fellowship with Christ and obedience to his word. That is the goal of discipleship. Jesus says, be perfect then as your heavenly father is perfect. When he's talking about how his father sends rain on the just and the unjust, Jesus is saying, don't worry about what other people do. Don't try and control outcomes. Offer the invitation. Stay awake. Pay attention. I'm telling you right now, those of you listening, pay attention to what's going on in the church. Pay attention to what God is doing. There's an old saying that we'd have in Spokane where I grew up, put your ear to the ground. Listen for what's coming. Listen for what's on the way. Listen to what God is doing. Be a disciple. The closer you are to Jesus, the clearer you'll be able to see what God is doing. It's obvious. Think of it in real terms. Keep your nose to his back. Keep your hand on his shoulder. Say, Jesus, if it's you, call me out onto the water. Ask him what's going on. Pay attention. Be on the alert. Disciples of Jesus, be on the alert for what God is doing right now because God is moving in a significant and powerful way that is different than he's done it before ever in North America and abroad. Yes, we hear stories of great revivals in China. We hear stories of great revivals in the Eastern Bloc when the when the wall fell and when the Soviet Union collapsed. Yes, we hear stories and snippets out of the Middle East, out of Muslim nations. We hear stories, amazing stories out of Africa. We hear terrible stories out of all those places as well. And I think a lot of times we see both of those things come hand in hand. So be prepared and be ready. Be aware. It is no longer politically expedient to be a Bible-believing Christian. It's not going to be as popular as it used to be. No matter how many celebrities sign up for a half Christianity, for a Christianity when they feel like it, it doesn't matter. 
None of that matters in the scheme of things. What matters is you paying attention because Jesus told you to pay attention. What matters is you obeying. I don't care what your past is. Don't be more committed to your past than you are to your future. Ask yourself that question. If you feel like you're shy because of something someone did to you, if there was spiritual abuse, if there was pastoral abuse, if there was something broken in your life by being victimized, it doesn't mean you have to still be a victim. What it means is that God can take that thing, that whatever that is that happened to you. And I empathize with you. I honestly do. We all have broken pasts in one way, shape, or form. Some seem humdrum, but still broke us in a weird way. Some are brutal, illegal abuse. But either way, don't be more committed to that than you are to your own future. Be committed to what Jesus is asking you to do and what he's asking you to obey. And pay attention. Be on the alert. If you're asleep in your past or you're just daydreaming about the future but not living in the moment that you're actually in right now and paying attention to what Jesus is doing moment by moment, not just asking what would Jesus do, but what did Jesus actually do? How did he actually reach people? How did he actually make disciples? How did he actually spread the gospel of the kingdom? That's the thing Jesus asks us to do in our workplaces, in our churches, in our lives, in our friendships, our relationships, our families, our, our finances, and our bank accounts. How do you spread the kingdom in all of it? What does the gospel of the kingdom look like in those spaces and those places? Because because the the landowner has left and is seated at the right hand of power and he will come back. Now it's not super popular to talk about in the church that Jesus will come back because that kind of puts a period on things. That puts a finality on things and we all want an extra chance for auntie whatever to find Jesus and get saved, but if he comes back too soon and she doesn't look out or I remember what Christian kids always used to say. It's so stupid. It was like, I hope Jesus doesn't come back before I get married so I can have sex. Like that was the most ridiculous, retarded thing that somehow got taught to us in a weird roundabout kind of way in church in the 90s, along with making everything into an acronym. But pay attention. Pay attention. But first, you need to pay attention to what's going on inside you through the scripture. And I don't Talk about navel-gazing very much, but put your own house in order. Put your heart in order through the reading and the examining of the Word and letting the Word examine you. Because there's a time coming where many will be called, but few will be chosen. Jesus says this multiple times. And one thing I've been harping on with our people over and over and over again, and if you're listening to this again and you're part of SALT, One thing I've been saying over and over and over again, we need to remember who it is that did the saving. We need to remember who it is that does the choosing. Because so often we get mixed up in this American Christianity where you chose to raise your hand and follow Jesus, where you chose to do this, or you chose to tithe, or you chose to blah, 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 or you chose to... You were chosen. Look at the beginning of Ephesians. Just the first five verses tell you you are adopted as sons and daughters in the kingdom of heaven, that you're blessed with every spiritual blessing. Why? Because you raised your hand in an altar call? No, because you were chosen before the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ's idea is salvation. God's idea is salvation. It's not your idea. 
And we need to consistently remember that and consistently recall that so that we can live our lives appropriately in that light. So we know that he's Lord, that he chose us, that we didn't deserve this, but we have it anyway. What we deserved was hell, but we can follow him and pay attention to our daily lives in the light of the fact that we're chosen, we're sons, we're daughters. We can live lives worthy of the calling that he gives us, that we've received and as we continue as a church, at Salt Churches, to plant microchurches, I'm seeing this more and more come alive. In this little family unit, these family units that are called churches, I'm seeing money starting to cross bank accounts like I've never seen it before. I'm starting to see people get passionate about making disciples down to the third and fourth generation. I'm starting to see people actually spread the idea Just the idea of the good news of Jesus Christ is good enough. Not the good news of the church. The good news of Jesus and the church forms itself. We have to remember that the church was born out of the gospel being preached, not the other way around. The church does not give birth to the gospel. The gospel gives birth to the church. And as I look across the the landscape of the United States of America right now, we need to pay attention. Something is shifting Something is moving. We need to get out in front of it. I believe that churches will be smaller but bigger. That God is looking at at restoring the family unit. God is looking at restoring marriages, but he's looking at doing that within his family. I mean, real family. Not row sitting, not message listening, not podcast listening, not awesome videos, not an amazing worship band. What I'm talking about is all those things may happen. Preaching the gospel is necessary. Gathering is necessary. All those things may happen, but God's doing it in a new way, and we must pay attention. Jesus wants his reward. He wants his bride, and he wants his bride huge. So big that we cannot even encompass or think or imagine how many people are going to be part of this family of God, but he's chosen them, and it's our job to go out and find his lost kids. All we have to do is pay attention. God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you feel inspired, encouraged, and empowered to change the world for the name of Jesus. Make sure to tune in and listen to our other podcasts and download our app, Salt Churches, found on iTunes. We hope to see you and hear from you soon. Thanks. Have a great day.